0: Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Well, over the past few weeks, uh, we've been learning from the book of Colossians. Uh, This is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the Christians in a little town called Colossae. Uh, In the first week, uh, we we learned what Paul was trying to to do, which is establish the supremacy of Christ or the reign of Christ. Uh, So we learned that Jesus is Lord over creation. He is Lord over new creation. Uh, That in fact, all things hold together by him, uh, live and move and have their being in him. And therefore, he is above all and the center of our faith. Uh, and so we got to remember that Jesus is the center of our faith. It's easy to make a lot of other things kind of the center, uh, but Jesus himself at the center of our faith is a person in, of Jesus Christ. And, and the second week, we learned uh, about the pressures that the Christians in Colossae were facing. In other words, Paul begins to talk and address specifically why he's writing this particular letter. Uh, and we learned that the, the Christians in Colossae have, were tempted to kind of worship Jesus alongside other gods, and we joked of, about how, of course, we don't face this temptation, and that's nothing that we're familiar with. Uh, and then they're also kind of tempted to define their faith with a bunch of rules. Um, but Paul's encouragement to them in the face of those pressures is to remember... A couple of things. The first is that uh, Christ is the fullness of God, that the fullness of God dwells in Christ in bodily form, and then that in Jesus, we have been brought to completion, uh, that our faith isn't made up of, of kind of Jesus and something else, but rather uh, Christ himself, and, and we, the application we made for that is that in Christ, you are more free than you could possibly imagine, And that isn't to say that we are more free to kind of chase the rabbit trails of sin, but we are more free to love, to forgive, to have compassion, to see the shared humanity of those who are not like us. We're more free to embody this Christ way of living than we ever dreamed possible. Uh, Then last week, Rick uh, did a great job. He helped us understand that in chapter 3, Paul is beginning to apply this lordship of Christ uh, over our lives in general, Uh, namely, and Paul uses the same kind of language, namely that we should take off our old way of life that was defined by sin and greed, and we should put on a new way of life uh, defined by compassion, grace, mercy, forgiveness, and then the glue that holds it all together, love. Uh, that there's a putting off and a putting on. Uh, Today I want to finish chapter 3 before completing our series next week, and so let me read to you uh, Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 18, going through uh, chapter 4, verse 1. And then I actually want to follow that up immediately by reading a parallel passage uh, found in Ephesians chapter 5 and kind of address both of these uh, as a whole. Uh, But of course, kind of moving directly off of the Colossians passage, but there's a parallel passage in Ephesians 5 that you just can't ignore uh, if we're gonna cover this ground today. So, uh, so let's uh, read together. The Colossians passage will be on the screen, the Ephesians passage I invite you to just listen to. Uh, but it says this, uh, Colossians chapter three, beginning with verse 18. Wives, uh, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. "'Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. "'Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. "'Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you "'and to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. "'Whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, "'since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord and a reward.' It is the Lord Christ that you are serving, and anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Uh, Turning now to the Ephesians chapter 5 passage, beginning with verse 22. Uh, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ has loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing by the washing with water through the Word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one has ever hated his own body, but he feeds it and cares for it, just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Now, this is a profound mystery, but what I am talking about is Christ and the church. However, each of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Chapter 6. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well for you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. And fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God for their, for their, for, from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as it were, as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever, he, whatever good he does, whether he is a slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, Several years ago, I was preaching on the Ephesians chapter 5, passage that I just read, and after church, a young lady came up to me uh, with a snarl on her face and uh, some snippiness in her voice, (laughs) and she showed me Uh, that she had literally uh, blacked out this passage in her Bible. Uh, She had taken a black marker and covered it so that it did not exist. It was a black square on the page of her Bible. She showed me this. Um, She just, I said, wow, tell me more about that. And uh, she said, well, I just can't uh, swallow uh, that my place in the home is simply submission to a husband uh, who is the leader and who makes the important decisions, uh, Well, my job is simply to care for the children and to cook. Now, maybe you, some of you have felt that same way when reading our Colossians passage or the Ephesians passage. And what I have found uh, through the years, this was many years ago that this happened, but what I found through the years, particularly in uh, counseling with couples, both kind of crisis counseling, hey, we're kind of in trouble here and we need some help, Uh, But also in premarital counseling, I've learned that the kind of instincts of this young lady uh, was not an isolated event, but rather uh, actually quite common, that uh, folks uh, can have a point of contention with this passage of Scripture. So while I would submit that her action to write out uh, the passage of Scripture was a bit extreme, uh, I would maybe say that her instinct to not accept it at face value uh, may have been correct. Now, let me explain that. Uh, on the surface, this passage uh, seems to communicate a clear hierarchy uh, within the Christian home. Uh, in fact, that is how many, particularly in the modern church, have uh, understood it. Uh, some have even come to call this uh, this passage and what the truth that it communicates have come to call this the umbrella of protection. Uh, and the umbrella of protection, as it's commonly understood, looks something like this. Uh, I've got the picture on the screen there. Uh, That the household or the hierarchy of the Christian household uh, should be, uh, is best kind of illustrated with umbrellas of varying sizes. Uh, And that is that God or Christ is at the head, he's the largest umbrella, uh, whose role is to instruct, empower, and to guide uh, the husband. Now, having been instructed and empowered and guided by God, uh, the husband's role is then to protect, provide, and to lead those in his household. Uh, that he is directly under the God umbrella. Now, under the husband umbrella is the wife. Uh, the wife's role then is understood to be to manage the house, to care for the children uh, by providing nurture and comfort. And then under, under the wife's umbrella are the children. Uh, and the children's role is simply to obey your parents. Uh, Now again, on the surface, I would say this seems to be precisely what Paul is saying, right? That that if you, as you kind of look at it, particularly when he doesn't provide a lot of explanation uh, in in our Colossians passage, you might say, yeah, this seems exactly right. Uh, And I also want to say that this arrangement for the home actually works for many people, many Christian families where there is a loving husband, a caring wife, and perfectly obedient children, (laughs) then this works great, right? Uh, But, uh, so this hierarchy, this setup, this structure for the family can work, and does work for many families. Uh, But as I've said, as I've worked with people, uh, this can be a real point of contention. And so, uh, the the key question for me that we have to ask is, is this what Paul is actually saying? Uh, And I'm convinced that Paul is uh, not trying to articulate a hierarchy, uh, but actually to point us to something far deeper. Uh, and so uh, today, uh, I want to discover and explore together, how do we fix the umbrella? How do we fix the umbrella? So let's, let's kind of like really dive in and see what Paul might be saying to us here. Now, it's important to understand that whenever we're seeking to unpack a passage of Scripture, that we don't take it in isolation, but always consider it in context— And and Rick did a great job of setting up the context of chapter 3 for us, which is uh, coming out of chapter 2 and chapter 1, where Paul is trying to elevate our view of Christ and talk about the lordship of Christ over all of creation. Now, first, Paul applies that generally to our lives, right? Uh, he, He applies this very generally to say that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He holds all things together. He is Lord over creation. He's Lord over new creation. We are complete in him He is forming a new humanity that will organize themselves around a new resurrection life in Christ that is defined by love. These are all amazing, amazing truths that he has given to us. And what Paul then is doing here is he's beginning to seek to apply those truths in the most practical way possible, in the most practical way conceivable, and that is he wants to apply it to the family. That the, the core social structure of culture is the family. And so Paul's essentially saying, we cannot talk about the lordship of Jesus Christ without applying it in the most practical and fundamental ways possible. And so let's start right at home. I think it's a pretty good place to start, don't you? Like if we're going to talk about what does it mean to be Christian, what does it mean to follow the lordship of Christ, let's begin in the home. I also want to take this opportunity that for the Apostle Paul, all theology is practical theology, uh, that, the, that there's, no, there's no understanding of Paul at all where, hey, we're just kind of exploring uh, lofty ideas about who God is, and it never like, intersects with our real life. That for the Apostle Paul, all theology is practical theology. That what we believe about Christ, what we say about Christ, who He is, what His character is like, all of that has incredible implications for our everyday lives, right down to our family life. And so, uh, so, he begins with a family. Now, with his instructions to the family, both here and in Ephesians, what Paul is trying to do is he's trying to reorient the typical family structure and suggest a new one that is based on the lordship of Jesus Christ. So what he's doing is he's applying his big idea of the lordship of Christ, but he's then going to try to seek to apply it in a very particular cultural context to the family. Are you with me? So this is simply just a natural outworking of what Paul has been doing all along. So we shouldn't then just kind of like take this in isolation, and then, and then build a whole theology out of it, but always consider it in context. Uh, and so what Paul is doing is he's offering an alternative to the typical family structure of ancient Rome. But to understand what he's getting at, we have to understand what that typical family structure was, right? Uh, so for the first century Roman family, uh, the first century Roman family was a really powerful institution that had very clearly defined roles and a clear hierarchy within the family. So I want you to hear that. The typical Roman family had very defined and clear, clearly set out rules and a very clear hierarchy in the home. So in this family, if you uh, today went home and you were a typical ancient Roman family, this is exactly how things would go down in your home. First the male patriarch was seen as the supreme leader of the home. And I'm I'm using a little bit dramatic language because this is exactly how it was. It was very, very clearly defined roles. So the male patriarch was the leader of the household. As such, he literally held the keys of life and death for everyone in the home. His wife, their children, and the slaves that they owned to the point of this, listen to this quote, Uh, it's from an article uh, on pbs.org that was doing some work on history. pbs.org says this, it'll be up on the screen as well. It says, at the head of the Roman family life was the oldest living male called the paterfamilias, or father of the family. He looked after the family's business affairs and property, he could perform religious rites on their behalf. The paterfamilias had absolute rule over his household and over his children. Now, in this ancient Roman family, that was the role of the male—the very clear leader—made all the decisions. Now, the wife's role, other than bearing children (of which that was primary), primary, but uh, other than bearing children, the wife's role was to be in charge of managing the home, uh, which consisted primarily in this culture of preparing meals and making clothes. And then we need to understand the role of children in the Roman family. Children were seen very, very poorly. Uh, Until you reached adult age, and adult age in this culture was often seen as teenage years, uh, you had, so about the time that now that your kids start asking for an iPhone, they might be considered an adult. Of course, now they're starting to ask for iPhone at like age seven, so maybe that's a little bit of a, but I digress. So, uh, but until you were in your teen years, as a child, you had no rights at all. Uh, In fact, your wishes as a child, your well-being, were simply ignored if the patriarch of the family chose that. If the patriarch of the family decided to just ignore all of your uh, well-being, then this was simply how it was for you as a child. You can see then that in the Roman family, if the husband, the patriarch, wasn't loving, respectful, then this could lead to all kinds of abuse of power. Um, and so, and so here's, here's actually another, just to illustrate just like how strong and, and like emphasized this kind of patriarchy was, uh, listen to another quote from the same article from PBS, it says this, now after birth, uh, the midwife placed babies on the ground, and only if the paterfamilias picked it up was the baby formally accepted into the family. Now, if the decision went the other way, the baby was exposed and deliberately abandoned outside. Now, this usually happened to deformed babies or when the father did not think that the family could support another child. And so babies were exposed in specific places, and it was assumed that an abandoned baby then would would be taken up and taken as a slave. Right? This is like... This is gross, okay? Now, slaves in the Roman family had even less rights than children. So if you can imagine if that's how children are treated, slaves had even less rights and were considered uh, basically inhuman and just simply property. Um, What's interesting is that part of Paul's advice, both in Ephesians and in Colossians, is actually really typical ancient Roman cultural advice that you would find not just in scripture, but in all, any kind of other sources. Uh, So when he says, uh, children, obey your parents, when he says, slaves, obey your masters, when he says, wives, submit to your husbands, these were actually typical instructions that appeared in many other writings, many other sources, and offered nothing unexpected. In fact, everyone would expect that you would say that to children and to slaves and to wives. Uh, but what was revolutionary for Paul was that he was he followed that up by providing instructions for husbands, parents, and masters. This was the revolutionary part: is that uh, this was actually unheard of that you would offer instructions first to the to the quote and these are air quotes weaker parties right of the of the family, but then that you would that you would dare to offer instructions to the quote stronger members of the family was absolutely unheard of and revolutionary for the time. And that's what I want us to see and to hear and to understand is that what Paul is actually doing is revolutionary for this culture and in this time. So wives, submit to your husbands. Yes, the wives would have said, we've heard that before, right? Husbands, love your wife and don't be harsh with her. To which the patriarch was like, what? I can do what I want, right? This is the typical Roman culture was, you don't give me any instructions. I, am the, I, have, I hold all the keys of life and death for those who are in my household. I, you don't, I'm not subject to any kind of instruction, right? What's really, really interesting, kind of put the pieces together with me, that in Acts, as we're reading about the spreading of the gospel, what we learn is that whole households would would come to Jesus at a time. Now, this is clearly because in that kind of setting, and in that cultural setting, the male made the decisions about whom we would worship. And so if the male became convinced that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah, then, then the whole household would come under the lordship of the Messiah, to which then they would get a letter to which says, wives, submit to your husbands, and they're like, yep, that, we're used to that. And then husbands, love your wives. In other words, it's like as the whole house falls under the lordship of Jesus... Then now, patriarch, you're going to have to do things a little bit differently. You're going to have to begin to demonstrate in your actions and in your words that she has value, that she deserves respect. Children, obey your parents. Yep, typical, heard that before. Parents, don't provoke your children or they will be discouraged. Do you see what's underlying in that? What's underlying is that is that the child has a right to well-being. That the child is a human being. <laughs> I know that to us, we're like, duh, right? But to them, this is like, this is, this is, um, Paul would have been labeled progressive. I mean, this guy is just liberal off the charts for his time, right? I just want, I'm not trying to, I'm just trying to say this is how it was, right? I mean, this was, this, no one would have thought this way. The conservatives would have been so upset with Paul, right? slaves obey your masters yeah yeah we get that that's that's all fine and good masters provide what is right and fair for your slaves do you see what paul's doing paul is trying to create in the home a cycle of mutual submission that is built on a foundation of love and respect. I'll say that again. Do you see what Paul is doing? Paul is trying to create a cycle of mutual submission that is built on a foundation of love and respect. Now, but he, you got to recognize, though, Paul is towing a very fine line as well. I mean, he's towing a very fine line because he's not just trying to completely upend the family structure of the ancient Roman world. He just, he can't do that. You can't just completely uproot it, right? You have to work within what you've got, the culture all around you, and then seek to apply the lordship of Jesus over that and inside of that context, and that's precisely what he's doing. He's trying to reorient the typical Roman family around the lordship of Christ. And so I would say to you that our task is to, is to actually do the exact same, is to take the typical cultural family context and reorient it around the lordship of Christ. Which is to say that strict application of Paul's words is not necessary or even preferable. Because guess what? If we were to have strict application of Paul's words here, then we would have to say, well, I need to get a slave. Or we'd have to admit, slavery is okay. Are you with me here? Like, if we just want to take the text at, at, a, at a flat level, at, at face value, then we have to assume that slavery is okay. Now, there's lots of people that are like, when they read this passage, and I've read lots of commentaries on it, people are like, why didn't Paul just say, free the slaves? Because in, he's inside of a context by which they're not even there yet, right? Right? but over time we've kind of been led and we've, we've kind of followed the spirit of God to say, you know what, I think slavery is not a great idea. <laughs> but for Paul, that, that would have been too much, right? So, so strict application isn't preferable or even necessary um, because the other, the other issue would be if, if we took this passage strictly understood and simply at face value, then there would be no room for singleness as a viable option right? Like, if, you, if you're here today and you're single, you'd be like, well, how do I apply this? What does it look like? It assumes that singleness is not a viable option. And so what Paul is doing is he's working within a specific cultural context and setting the trajectory of what the family looks like under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is to say that if we confess Christ as Lord and we have the lordship of Christ over us, then it needs to affect and have an impact on how we interact with one another in the family. Amen? Amen. All right. So, being true to the text, then, let's fix the umbrella. I would submit to you that this might be maybe a closer picture of what Paul is trying to get at. Uh, And I've got it up here, and I'll explain it. Now, Jesus is still at the head. God in Christ is still at the head. He's still the largest umbrella, right? Right? And in fact, he's still there to instruct, to empower, and to guide. These are all good and necessary things. Uh, and certainly, if God is, over, is Lord over creation, and he's Lord over new creation, then he certainly is Lord over this home, right? But then after that, things begin to look totally different. That instead of a hierarchy of umbrellas, that where God is sort of interfacing with the husband, who then is the leader of the home... Uh, who then is, uh, then who uh, the wife then manages the home and watches over the children. And you know, instead of kind of having these descending umbrellas, all of a sudden what you have is under Christ, side by side, are male and female Christians. Now the language changes here for application for the cultural context in which we're in. Blended families, this needs to work among siblings. This needs to work parents to children, children to parents, one to wives to husbands. It needs to work in all directions, right? And so now we have male and female, uh, side by side, under the lordship of Christ. And they, they exist now in a, in a relationship of mutual submission in which they embody the love of Jesus to one another. I, th- I was hoping for an amen there. <laughs> and so I was just like letting it lay for a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then, there, so, so not only is there kind of this mutual submission that embodies the love of Jesus to one another, but there's also this reciprocal relationship of love and respect. And, and let, me, let me talk just briefly about how this kind of plays out. In a relationship of mutual submission, where we embody the love of Jesus to one another, then all of a sudden, the lines of, of clearly defined, kind of this is your role, and this is your role, and this is your role, uh, begin to gray a little bit. And I think that's for the better. Because... Can I tell you how many times in my life where it has been my wife who has led and encouraged me spiritually? Amen. Where it has been, that's right, where it has been my wife who said, you know what, we need to do this in order to embody the love of Jesus to our children. On the other side, can I tell you how many times that I have led my wife spiritually, right? Or, or how many times I've said, you know what, I think that we could do better in this way in order to embody the love of Christ to our kids. That maybe you and I have a tendency to do this, fill in the blank, and, and maybe that isn't so great as we're trying to exemplify and demonstrate the lordship of Christ in our home. That maybe, maybe by doing this, we're actually stomping our children down <laughs> instead of raising them up. Can I tell you how many times that my kids have led me to Christ? And I don't mean they led me in a prayer of salvation, right? I don't, I'm not telling, saying that Jaden got me saved, right? <laughs> but what I'm saying is that if we're paying attention Our kids can help lead us and point us to Christ, amen? That there is in the home this mutual submission, this under the lordship of Christ in which we seek to embody Christ to one another. And our kids are gonna learn it from us. And we're gonna learn it from our kids. And we're gonna learn it from one another. We're gonna lead each other in this direction. Now, when I'm doing premarital counseling, I still have the gender role conversation, right? because there's still a house to run. Somebody needs to take out the trash. Somebody needs to do the dishes. And if you decide you're all gonna do it, that's fine. But more likely it's kind of you know this thing and I'll do that and based on skill sets and all of that. But let's just recognize that there's the functioning of the home and gender roles there. And then there's a hierarchy of the home which Paul is trying to subvert. That's what I'm trying to get at point. If, If Paul is offering another hierarchy, he's offering nothing different than the typical Roman family. Paul is actually trying to subvert a hierarchy in which we are led by each other under the lordship of Christ. That as God works in the life of one through mutual love and respect, he works in the life of the members of the family and leads us in that direction. In this, children are honored as full human beings who have rights and deserve respect. Have you guys seen, um, have you seen Won't You Be My Neighbor? The, The Fred Rogers, the Mr. Rogers documentary? If you haven't seen it, then you need to and make sure you have like a whole box of, of Kleenex, because you are going to need it, like, there were probably, like, I'm, I, I'm not a crier, like, I don't, know, I don't know what happened in my past where I'm like, I can't cry, but, um, but, like, if I had allowed myself in the Mr. Rogers documentary, like, I would have been, like, like, gross sobbing, you know what I mean? Like, there's crying, and there's, like, just gross sobbing. I would have been gross sobbing at three different points in that movie. I mean, it was a phenomenal documentary. Anyway, like, there is a point, I promise. Um, <laughs> In that that documentary, what you learn is that Fred Rogers never forgot what it was like to be a child. He never forgot what it was like to have questions and to be absolutely vulnerable to the abuse of power. And therefore, having never forgotten that, what Fred Rogers did is he consistently treated children with kindness, respect, and love. He literally embodies what I'm talking about today. A household reoriented around the lordship of Christ is a household where children are valuable contributors to the home. A household where husband leads wife, wife leads husband, together they lead children, the children point them to Jesus as long as the parents are paying attention. In this beautiful relationship of mutual love and care and guidance where we embody the love of Christ to one another. Now, surely, we might say, children will need more care and guidance and direction and instruction as they enter into maturity. To which I would say, you're right. But I would also say, to which I would also say, me too. I also need care, guidance, and and direction, and instruction as I enter in to maturity. You with me? The, the sometimes, sometimes our spiritual maturity, our emotional maturity, doesn't quite catch up to our physical maturity. And so while I may have all the signs of being an almost 40-year-old, <laughs> there may be spiritual maturity, emotional maturity that I still need care and guidance and instruction with. And thank God that he has blessed me with friends, a church family, a wonderful wife, loving kids to help me do that. I want us to see today that what Paul is trying to do is he's working within a very particular cultural context, but he's doing something radical He's trying to upend the hierarchy of a typical Roman family and talk to us about mutual submission under the lordship of Christ and reciprocal relationship of love and respect. And it begins in the home. The home is like this practice ground for that, right? And then the goal then is to take that and apply it also outside of the home. That we also need to be having this mutual respect for people, recognizing the shared humanity of people. Now, we may not agree with them in terms of religion or philosophy or different things, and so in that way, we maybe not wouldn't want them to lead us, but certainly they can show us things. We can learn if we will listen, right? And so what Paul is, let's begin in the home but then there's a wider context of application as well. I know that this may feel radical, um, but I want you to hear that I believe it's the truest kind of understanding of the text that I've been able to come up with over the years. And so I submit it to you for consideration. And I do that with a humble heart. Um, let's pray Heavenly Father our hearts are filled with your love and we sense your presence this morning God as we were singing in the opening set I'm a child of God I admit, Lord, that man, we could have sung that a lot longer, and I wouldn't have been bothered by it, that maybe maybe I and perhaps others just needed to be reminded of that today. that we, in fact are your children. And so God help us, as your children to begin to recognize and apply and live out. Your lordship over all of creation, over all of new creation that is coming, and certainly, Lord, over our homes and our relationships. God, help us uh, to apply this. This idea of, of mutual love and respect is, is, well, it's easy to put down on a graphic, but it's much harder to live out. And so God today, help, help husbands and wives to love one another. Help parents to love and respect their children as people who have endless value and who are children of God, who are gifts from you, who can show us and teach us as we show and teach them. God, be with our children today that they might see and recognize the great gift of loving parents. God, may our relationships in the home, whatever that looks like, be defined by love as we seek you together. God, thank you for your goodness. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen.